Isn't that wonderful? We are so blessed. You know, we take it for granted, you know, the talent that we have in here in this body, but you guys do such a great job every week. It's a lot of work. They're in here practicing every morning. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. And if you hadn't noticed, I'm back on two legs. It's going to be a process. Thank you. I still have my chair here so that I can sit down, just to warn you. Um, but it is good. And uh, this morning, I was getting dressed, and I thought, man, it's sweater weather. So I have this one drawer that has my sweaters in it, and I'm digging through here because I have this really great Christmas sweater. Ruth hates it. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. She hates it. Well, this isn't it. <laughs> because it wasn't in my drawer. And I don't know where it is. And I'm going to have to talk to Ruth when I get home. <laughs> okay, now I know where to look. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't be at all surprised. I'm sure it's still there, Oh, thank you. Oh, man, it's going to be one of those mornings, isn't it? Well, that's great. That's great because I plan to be a little interactive today. You know, you remember how we did that, where every once in a while you guys said something too? I mean, it's not going to be too strenuous. It's like a little quiz, but you'll be all right. So my question this morning is, what's in a name? Right? What's in a name? So let's see if you can figure this out. Um, who is there when I am wounded and weak? Oh, we're going to have to work into this. Okay. <laughs> Who is there when I am strong in spirit? Okay, now you got it. All right. Who is there when I get up in the morning? Who is there when I go to bed at night? Okay, you know, this is not getting any harder. Who is there when I jump up and down? Who puts breath in my lungs? Yeah. And what is the only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved? Jesus. Jesus. And you know, we talk about that a lot, and I appreciated that song this morning. Worthy is his name. What's in a name? Well, Jesus is our all in all. He is our all in all. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can meet together today in peace and safety among friends and loved ones, Lord, to lift up your name. We pray that everything that's said and done and understood today would be drenched in your Holy Spirit and that you might speak to us today, Lord, as your children, your loving children. Thank you for this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I have a slide. Where's the rest of it? There it is. Okay. I figured this out last time. You know, I had a slide, and then Jason had two slides. And I figured it out. We're getting paid by the slide. <laughs> so today I have two slides. I thought about putting a blank one in just to up it a little, but that didn't seem right. All right. So these are the scripture references, uh, pretty much in order, 
as we go through them, um, you can look them up. We're going to start there with that uh, verse in Ephesians um, where Paul talks about Jesus being our all in all. Uh, this is Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And it says that God put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, that's a pretty majestic statement, but to understand kind of where Paul's coming from in this, we need to go back and in history and look at some of the things that came before that tie into this. Um, so what is in a name um, is kind of the question today, because the ancient Hebrews, even like some folks today, believe that a person, their power or their spirit actually inhabits the name, literally, that, that it's there. And as you know, um, the Hebrews wouldn't say the personal name of God out loud because they, they felt that that was his power and they couldn't take from that. And it's interesting, we even have a commandment about that, right? Uh, God himself said, don't take my name in vain. And a lot of times when we hear that, we think about profanity, but that's really not what that's about. It's in vain. Don't say it without meaning it. Don't say it without the power in a trivial way, without the power that inhabits it. Um, but their relationship, the ancient Hebrews, uh, was centered on God from the beginning. Um, so they needed to be able to refer to him um, some way without saying his uh, personal name. So I'm sure you've seen this list before. We'll put it up here. That's too small. I messed that up, didn't I? Um, you've heard most of these before, but let me just read through these because they're so powerful. Um, the, the names that both were given to them by God himself and the ones that they built to describe him, right? We have Adonai, which is my Lord or God, uh, El Elyon, God Most High, El Ohim, our God, El Olam, God Everlasting, El Shaddai, God Almighty, God All-Sufficient, Jehovah is the self-existent one, and then Jehovah Elohim, God our Lord, Jehovah Jireh, God who provides, Jehovah Nisi, God my banner, Jehovah Rapha, God who heals, Jehovah Roy, God my shepherd, Jehovah Shalom, God our peace, Jehovah Shama, God ever-present, Jehovah Sidkenu, God, our righteousness. And of course, the best of all that I didn't put up there is Jehovah Sus, which is God, our salvation, who is also known today as? Jesus. Okay, great. All that practice paid off. All right. Now we know that uh, Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, right? Which means the Lord saves. So what's in a name? Uh, this is all their uh, approach and attempt to try to address the greatness of God, right, through descriptive terms that they would apply. So in Genesis 12, um, God began his relationship with the Israelites uh, in uh, his conversation with Abram uh, when he made uh, this promise that he would be the father of uh, a great nation of people whose sole purpose would be to bring glory 
um, to God. And then later in Exodus 14, Moses has an encounter uh, with that God uh, in the, on the mountain with the burning bush. And uh, God gives him a mission, right, to go to Egypt and to bring his people out. And Moses asks a really simple question. To us, it seems a little odd, but he says, well, who, who should I say sent me, right? Uh, to us, it seems odd because, well, duh, right? It's God. But for Moses, he grew up in a pagan culture that was filled with gods, right? Gods, plethora of gods. And this was the one true God. So God gave him a really uh, great answer. He replied to Moses and he says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then a little later, God kind of elaborates on this uh, to Moses with this amazing statement. And this is Exodus 6, 2, and 3. Oh, and I'm going to use parentheses. So these are my parentheses in case you wonder. Okay, so this is what he says. I am, which is is, right? It's the verb to be, right? Is. I am the Lord, Jehovah, right? And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai, right? But, my, but by my name, Lord, Jehovah, I did not make myself known to them. He was putting a really fine point on this uh, statement and to help Moses understand and for us to understand that he was using his personal name which we translate as Yahweh. And I'm sure you've seen studies on this. You know, the word is a strange word in Hebrew in, in what it really, it doesn't have any vowels in it. It's a very strange uh, word, but that was uh, the word that he used. And it is, uh, it is to be, right? It's a state of being. Um, but even then, all of this was just a foreshadowing of the complete picture. They only saw a piece of it, and there was a much bigger... This morning we were um, watching a video from The Chosen about the nativity and talking about how little information um, Joseph and Mary were given about what was going to happen. And my comment was, well, Mary wasn't an engineer because my, my question would have been, okay, that's great, now what? Right? Because he just told them how it started. He didn't give them any information about, well, then what, what do we do after that? They just had to trust him, right? And they did. That's hard. I mean, I, I don't know if I could have done that. It's like, okay, God, I just, you're going to figure this out as we go. Uh, but the next piece of this picture that we are privileged to have, um, it was a truth that was so great that God had to deliver it to us face to face. He said, it's not going to speak from a bush or from the sky. He was going to come down and look right in our face and give us this context. So um, this was at the end of an argument that Jesus was having with unbelieving Jews about who he was. And he neatly ties it together with his statements 
made thousands of years ago. We're going to be in John 8, um, starting at verse 50. John 8, 50. And this is Jesus speaking. I am not trying to get praise for myself. There is one who demands it, and he also judges. I tell you the solemn truth. If anyone obeys my teaching, he will never see death. Then the Judeans responded, Now we know you're possessed by a demon. Both Abraham and the prophets died, and yet you say, If anybody obeys my teaching, he will never experience death. You aren't greater than our father Abraham who died, are you? And the prophets died too. Who do you claim to be? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory is worthless. The one who glorifies me is my father, about whom you people say, He is our God. Yet you do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I obey his teaching. Your father Abraham was overjoyed to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Judeans replied, You are not yet fifty years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, I tell you the solemn truth. Before Abraham came into existence, I am. Now, that, that's just an amazing uh, statement. Um, this is how we know and how we have assurance that Jesus is, in fact, our all in all from beginning to end. This, uh, this last verse there also tells us four significant things about his nature. Just in that last part there. He shows his pre-existent nature. He has always existed. He shows his divine nature. He shows his omnipresent nature. And Jesus declares his grace-filled nature. Now, bear with me. Let's have a short grammar section in here today. Oh, I can just see the look on your faces. Oh, my gosh. All right. This, it, this will only be painful for a moment. So this last part of 858, I tell you the solemn truth, before Abraham came into existence, I am. Now, grammatically, we have God who is in the first person singular. You guys remember these terms? It's starting to make you sweat, isn't it? Um, we have the verb of being, right, um, as the condition of the subject, except the verb of being uh, it's an infinitive form. It's not really a verb of action. It's a verb of state. It's a state or condition. So it's not doing, it's ising, right? Pardon my grammar. And that's it. There's no object, right? Um, just a predicate, right? Oh, remember that? Predicate is a part of a sentence or clause, I had to look this up, that expresses what is said of the subject. It's missing. It isn't there. Now, in grammar rules, you only need a subject and a verb to have a complete sentence, right? But typically, there's an object, right? You have a subject who is the performer, and then the verb describes the performance, and then the object is the stage where this occurs. Um, so, for example, the boy throws the ball. You've got a, a subject, you've got a verb, and an object. But Jesus, as God, he said to Moses, I am, I am. So the performer is 
God himself, right? His performance isn't an action. It's a state of being. And the stage is universal eternity. And that's it. God says, I am. Now, let's go back to Ephesians. 1, 22 and 23. Paul said, God put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. That's us. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So now who is Paul referring to? You've had a lot of practice. Jesus. Oh my gosh, we're only 15 minutes in. All right. So how do we know that Jesus is, in, is our all in all? You can find this throughout Scripture from the beginning to the end. Let's go and look at Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be frightened, for I am your God. I strengthen you. Yes, I help you. Yes, I uphold you with my victorious right hand. And then in Matthew, He is my companion when I am alone. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew 1.23. And then Revelation 3.20. Listen, I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his home and share a meal with him and he with me. And then he's also my hope, my anchor, when I am hopeless and I'm drifting in the storm. Hebrews 6, 19 and 20 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. And lastly, to close, he is my only hope of salvation, the only hope of salvation. John 8, 24 says, and this is Jesus speaking, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And then later in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Believes in who? So Jesus is, in fact, and indeed, our all in all, completely sufficient for everything that we need. And today, if you haven't already, you can have that bounty of his fullness. And I know a lot of us, we grew up in church and it became a habit and we moved into an adulthood. It just seemed like the thing to do. But at some point in your life, no matter what you're doing or where you're going or what church you attend, you have to make a personal decision in your heart, right? One of my favorite expressions is love is a choice, right? It's not a feeling. And I think faith is like that. Faith is a choice. It's not a feeling because feelings come and go. But our choices are what drive our behavior. So if today you've not made that choice, or if you're not sure, or if you're concerned, or if there are things in your life that make you struggle with understanding that reality, today is the day to begin to address that. Why wait? Do it now. 
take one of the elders aside, talk to me, get with a Jesus follower that you have confidence in, and begin that conversation and make that choice because we're assured that Jesus, and especially in this season, we need to lift up his name because people will be looking at everything else than Jesus. But look for that opportunity, both in your own life and in the lives of those around you. Make that introduction. This is a work of the Spirit, right? It's nothing that we do. It's through His power. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together this morning. We're so grateful, Lord, for the love that you shed upon us. Even in difficult times, we can see your hand of care taking us through our troubles. And we know and we can rest assured, Lord, that you are all-sufficient for our needs. And Lord, if there are those here today that need to make that decision to set their hope and sight on you, I pray that that will happen, that they will come alongside someone who can help them see the truth in your word and to make that change in their life. And for those of us that know you, pray that you would just renew our faith today so that we can live our lives according to your will and that those around us will see it and seek you as a result. And we thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.